guys, what's up? Welcome back to another episode of Liberty Diner Dish. I'm Ken. I'm Michelle. And we're about to jump right into another episode of Queer as Folk. I am still riding the high of 308, I think. <laughs> right now, for real. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. I feel like I'm still riding that right on into to 309. Yes, you know, that reconnection. I, I needed yeah, that. that. I needed yeah. that. Oh, I so did. Absolutely. <laughs> like, God. That got me through the whole week. <laughs> it really did. <laughs> I know if it got us through, I'd get y'all through too as well. Okay, yeah. 308 is the one. Okay. Yeah. Y'all could have warned me that that was the one. <laughs> God. Yeah. Well, in 309, I feel like in it's always the perfect follow-up for to that one. You know, Girl. this one, I mean, there's a whole lot going on that's brewing, and some of it kind of got started, or we saw the beginnings of it in the mm-hmm. last episode, mm-hmm. and now we've got Brian and Justin kind of situated, and so we're looking at what everybody else has going on, and boy, do they have a lot going on. A lot. They were dropping bombs in this episode. Yeah. I mean... I said they know how to bring the drama. They do know how to bring the drama. <laughs> that is <laughs> that is for sure. Yes. So I think I'm ready to get on into this one. I, I think. <laughs> All right, let's do it. So we start out and we are at Babylon, which is very fitting because I feel like we need we're due for a celebration. I haven't been there I haven't seen, I haven't been there like this in forever. <laughs> you I know? know, because like we've gone to Babylon, but there's other stuff going yeah. on. We weren't just enjoying being at Babylon. I wasn't so. no. Ever since the breakup, the split, I have not enjoyed Babylon. Okay, like <laughs> yeah. it wasn't the same for me, but tonight was different. It was, yeah. I love this song Cha Cha playing here, and I just, I absolutely love that we start off with this. We see Brian and Justin; they're like slow dancing in the middle of this crowd of people. And it's like they're the only two people who exist. In the I was world. about to say the exact same thing. Like there is no one else in that room. They mm-hmm. just feel it. Like it was amazing. Yeah, and the. I have a copy of the script for this episode, and it the intro was supposed to be something totally different, and I'm kind of glad that they went with with this right here. But um, you know, some other point I'll talk about what that what that intro was supposed to be. Actually, a few things about this episode: the final cut is very different from what the script was, and I always find those changes fascinating because it's like, okay, what point were they really trying to highlight mm-hmm. when they take it from what was in the script to what we finally see? Right. But anyway. Um, so yeah, I love the two of them here. This glitter is falling on them. (laughs) (laughs) And just for a full minute, maybe a little bit more, we see the two of them just touching each other. And yeah, these like slow caresses and they're not, they're not even kissing each other fully on the lips for Mm -hmm. like a full minute. Um, but it is just so intimate, so tender, and they are both so genuinely happy. Like Mm -hmm. that has carried over from 308 in Brian looks genuinely happy. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we haven't seen that smile, like yeah. that, that look and that gaze in his <laughs> eyes, that smile in forever. You mm-hmm. know, like, I mean, Brian is always going to make do. He's always going to be good because he's Brian <laughs> Kenny, but he's, he's complete a survivor. Now. But yeah, yeah, exactly. But you can see that he's back home again, mm-hmm. you know? so Yeah, like, even the times when they have their eyes closed, like, I really enjoy that because that to feel that comfortable with a person mm-hmm. where you can just be in that moment with them. With your eyes closed. Like, he's not looking around trying to see who else to scope out for the right. night. Like, he is fully content with the person in front of him. Right. Yeah. So, very, very strong. Very strong intro. Uh, So, we see the two of them. And then we go see, and the rest of the gang is here. We see a very sour-faced Michael. Oh, I hated it. They put the camera on him first. <laughs> I was like, oh, his jealous. You know, he was, his blood was just boiling. Yeah. So, we're going to talk about that. And then Ben looks like he was already aware that Michael might be, because he has his hand on his back, like, supporting him. 
Uh, and then we see Emmett getting his life there on the stairs dancing. And Ted looks a little grumpy about all the glitter that's raining into his drink. Um, <laughs> and then we finally see Brian and Justin like full on making out in the middle of Babylon. And you know how the gossip train works on Liberty Avenue. So this is basically a public declaration that the kings of Babylon are back together. That part. Okay. Yeah. I like the idea of them going back and reclaiming all their territories together. The last time we saw them in Babylon is when Justin was chasing after Brian again, trying to get him back. Mm -hmm. But the last time that Babylon saw them together is when Justin was leaving with Ethan. Yeah. (laughs) So to see them kind of going and reclaiming this territory together. Mm Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that. Well, they're the king, so they're reclaiming their throne, baby. Yeah. (laughs) And I love how they're just not worried about what anybody else thinks. Um, Even though everybody is seeing this, including their friends, they're just so wrapped up in each other. They're not worried about what everybody else thinks about Mm -hmm. this. But Emmett does need some more information. He's like, am I seeing what I think I'm seeing? And Ben says, yes, you're seeing it. The most historic reunification since Germany, which is just (laughs) perfect. (laughs) I do think that Ben looks genuinely happy for them. Um, it doesn't cost him anything to see Justin and Brian happy together. Um, you know, even the way he describes their reunion, he's giving it such high praise. Right. And that shows that he very much approves of this. Absolutely. And it, it could be coming from a selfish place, too. I mean, although we haven't seen Michael. <laughs> could be. You know, we haven't seen Michael going to Brian's every bacon call. But, you know, he knows that any moment that could happen. But now that he has Justin back in Brian's life. His his relationship can go back to normal now, you know? Like, he doesn't have to worry about his man being out at 3 o'clock in the morning when he said he's supposed to come to a dinner party type stuff, you know? so <laughs> Yeah, it could be a little bit of selfishness in there. Um, well, Emmett asks, what happened to the fiddler? And Michael says, he fell off the roof. Um, <laughs> and uh, so this tells me that they haven't been very close to Justin during all of this, which makes sense because Justin was holed up at Daphne's house right after the breakup for a couple weeks. and. Emmett and Ted have been tied up with Ted's stuff, and Ben had his whole thing going on, so it makes sense. But do you think Michael knew about this already, that Brian and Justin were back together? No, I don't think so. I mean, just judging by his face after seeing them kissing, because if you knew they were back together, you would have made that face. You would just turn your head like, oh, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, here they go again. But no, I think he was, like, shocked and blown away. He probably knew that, that Ethan and Justin were no longer together. But I don't think that he knew that Justin and Brian actually rekindled what they had going. That's what I th- I think. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm somewhere in the middle. Like I kind of feel like he, I don't know. I highly doubt Brian called him and was just like, "Hey, Michael, me and Justin are back together." Right. <laughs> like, That's why I'm like, nah. I definitely don't see that. So he could have found out in an indirect way, or maybe Brian mentioned it in an indirect way. But um, the word, the way that he speaks. When he's like, well, when Emmett says what happened to the Fiddler, well, Michael already knows he fell off the roof. Uh, Ben already knew they were back together because he's saying you're witnessing the greatest, clearly the greatest reunification since Germany. So I don't know if they just put it together this night or if they had some kind of advance notice or information. I'm not really sure. Yeah, not really sure, but I'm still going to go with he and no. And Ben just (laughs) put it together like, okay, I'm watching this. This is good. Like if they're kissing, then yeah, they, they didn't reconnect. Because we couldn't even get them to be actually in the same room and like within like close quarters. You know, they could be in the same room, but one was on the other side of the room, mm-hmm. you know, doing their thing. Brian was always looking bothered or unbothered, I guess you would say, you know, by Justin and his little antics, although he was bothered. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I think they just put it together. I don't know. Well, I think Emmett is ever amused by the happenings of Brian and Justin's relationship because it went from 
Brian never does repeats and them thinking that Justin would eventually get the picture and go away mm-hmm. to Justin being deeply entrenched into their found family. Then Brian and Justin broke up and Justin finds someone else and now they're back together. I think it just makes for good TV for Emmett and he mm-hmm. is there for every single episode. Oh, yes. I mean, he wants the tea guy. He, yeah. <laughs> he wants that sizzling, that piping hot. Yeah. Uh, well, Emmett invites Ted to come dance with him, but Ted says his back is still not quite right. So Emmett borrows Michael's husband, Ben, for a dance or two, and he leaves Michael and Ted to hold up the bar together. Now, before we go on, why do you think Michael is mean mugging this situation? Well, for one, he's overprotective of Brian, and I don't think he still let it go that Justin, I guess we could say cheated. I just hate saying that. But um, he and Justin, they're cordial. They're working together, but they haven't actually, I feel like, made all the way up. Also, he's never really liked Justin fully liked him from the start. So, yeah, I don't think that he's happy to see Justin with Brian. Like, I mean, he wants Brian to be the single wild guy, you know, mm-hmm. the person that if he like when when Brian's single, he gives a lot of attention to Michael. So I think he's just a little jealous. Yeah, I think that's exactly what I think. I think he yeah, I think that he kind of like you said, he's upset on Brian's behalf because he is overprotective of of Brian. And I think also there's a part of him that feels like Justin had Brian had this great thing and he threw it all away. Right. And he saw how hurt Brian was after their breakup. And he was there having to pick up the pieces, pick up the, pe- pick up the pieces, walk his friend back through this. And what if the same thing happens? Because, you know, Michael doesn't think that Brian will change or has changed. And so it's like, OK, well, what if Justin is still not satisfied? What if, again, he decides he's not happy and he leaves again? Can Brian bounce back for that from that? And so I think some of it comes from that. But also, yeah, I think uh, at the beginning of season three, it was the Brian and Mikey show again. And now that Justin's back in the picture, mm-hmm. Michael feels away because he's been kicked out of his seat again. But can you feel away when you got a whole man next no, to you? No, you should not feel away. <laughs> I'm like, bruh, come on now. Can't have your cake and eat it too. Yeah, right. Uh, so over at the bar, Ted is mixing his uh, vodka and Vicocet, and I am nervous about that. I don't like this. I don't know why we didn't speak about it last time, because I, I caught, like... I knew you caught it. I didn't he, want to say anything. He's going down a bad slope. You know, like, I mean, a very, very bad slope. And I think people just pushing under the rug. Yeah. I mean, how, how are they not catching the signs? Right. This is crazy to Well, me. Michael tells him... So Michael's at the bar, and he gets a bottle of water. Well, Ted orders another one of his regulars. And which is the vodka or whatever mixed drink he has with vodka in it. And Michael tells him to go easy. And Ted says it isn't like he has to get up for work or anything else. And I'm like, I feel like Michael should be on high alert because of what he just went through with Ben. But maybe they're like, I think it's all, oh, we understand he's going through a hard time. And so you start to excuse things because like you can justify it. or Right. But he's doing things that he has never done. Like. Ted is the responsible one. He wouldn't pop pills and then take alcohol. Right. That defeats the purpose. That makes the pill work in a different way. Now yeah. he's getting high. It's like, know? don't like, do both, dude. Yeah, like, you, they, they're missing the signs. Like, I mean. And if you're to the point to where you can stand up and come out to the club, you probably don't need that part. the Vicocet and yeah. the vodka. So. And you walked fine over to the bar to me. <laughs> right. Okay. Like, yeah. come on now, Ted. Yeah. Um. Well, then we see Brian and Justin head into the back room. And look how Brian is holding Justin's hand and, like, swinging their joined hands there. Like, he would never walk with a trick to the back room no. like that. All he was missing was a skip. Yeah. <laughs> For real. That's all he was missing was a skip or whatever. Yeah. And I know we're way past the point of saying just of comparing Justin and tricks. We're past it. But I bring that up to show how 
genuinely happy and joyful mm-hmm. he is to be going back there specifically with Justin. Um, and so when they get back there, Justin says maybe they should go back to Brian's place because there are rumors floating around that there are undercover cops hanging out on Liberty Avenue. And Brian's not worried about that. He says that's what makes it hot. Girl, that's what makes it scary. Okay. <laughs> like, but, but I, I, yeah, you know, a little, little spicy too. But that's what I love about Brian. He doesn't give a damn. He's going to push the envelope. Yeah. So. You know, the whole thing about the undercover cops, that just all sounds very Stonewall era to me. Like late six, late 60s, early right. 70s right. when the cops were instigating these raids on bars and establishments that catered to homosexual patrons. It just makes me think about all of that. And so Stockwell's initiative to make Pittsburgh family friendly again is still going strong. And I kind of wonder how... Justin feels about Brian's role in this. He's been pr- pretty removed from Brian's role in it because they haven't been together, but I just kind of wonder how he feels about it. Well, I feel like he works with Brian. And I, like we said before, Justin understands all of Brian. So he knows work and personal, as in he's only doing this to better his career, to get him in front of the big wigs that, you know, they can project him to higher, you know, um, standards and where it's a dirty game that he's playing, but in the end, he's going to win and come out on top. So, I mean, he feels like he can control it at the moment. So I don't think Justin. I don't think Justin really has any feelings towards that. I don't think he has any any bad feelings towards that because he knows Brian's heart, Brian's head, and push come to shove, Brian is going to stand up for the community because Brian is definitely pro gay for sure. Well, speaking of Stockwell, we are treated to another one of his ads being filmed there in his home, and uh, he's there with his kids playing with model airplanes, and he comes across as very caring and devoted man and father. Brian is really selling him well. Like he has packaged him very well. Boy. Yeah. Now something that Brian is not selling well is that wrinkled shirt that he's got on. <laughs> he looks a mess for once. And uh I'm just gonna say Justin had him up all night and he woke up with like five minutes to get out the door. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> anyway, we see Stockwell's wife and she is there asking Brian about Jim's performance. Jim tells Brian that he hopes he didn't come off too stiff, and Brian says, You don't have a stiff bone in your body. And Jim says, he's got one. And I said, ooh. <laughs> I said, ooh. Yeah, he gets this little look from Brian. Well, it turns out it's an old sports in- injury. And uh, his wife suggests that he spend a little time in the hot tub to help his back. Well, then Stockwell invites Brian to join him. But Brian doesn't usually travel with a swimsuit. And Jim says, they're just two guys. What difference does it make? Okay, listen. <laughs> that whole interaction just reads sus to me. Okay, like. Why do I want that so bad? Like, I well, just that's want... the question I have written down for you. Yes. I wrote, I have to ask you because the people want to know, what is it with you and Brian and Stockwell? I, I just want, I just feel, okay, yeah. So, the pe- okay, people, okay. <laughs> the diners want to yes, know. Yes, the diners, I'm about to give you the dish, okay. <laughs> um, What it is with, with them, I just feel like this man is so homophobic. I need Brian to work his Brian magic, that little Brianisms that he do, you know what I'm saying, that he does. I need him to work him, you know, like, I don't, I just want him to bring him to the level, let him know that we're human, okay, and you have these desires too, and I brought him out of you, you know, and, <laughs> and if, anybody, if anybody can do it, it's Brian yeah. who can do that, mm-hmm. okay, and I think that it'd be so hot to see him turn this homophobic man into his own little trick. Okay? <laughs> that would be hot to me. Okay. I want Stockwell to be a trick. Okay? <laughs> you want him to be a trick, okay? <laughs> I would like for him to get permission from his wife. I'll just throw oh, that out there. Me. Sorry, y'all. Oops, I forgot he was married. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but 
Then it'll show the straight men too. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like they always want to paint the picture of you know, the gay men we promiscuous and all that. That's what he's doing on this. That's what right. he's doing. Whatever. That's what he's doing. So then, boom. Then it'd be like you know double standard. There you go. Yeah. Well, I, I had to ask because, like I said, the people have wanted to know. So. Well, yeah. Now they know. Uh, well, anyway, I do think it's very interesting how there's a hint of something with them, and it is. Um, well, I'm, I'm not. I'm not crazy, right? No, you're not crazy. I think that Brian kind of gets a kick out of it all. I definitely think. At this point, Brian would be with it if Jim was with it. But for Jim's part, I think he's attracted to this, like, that air around Brian. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, like attracts like, what people say. Uh, he recognizes the power and command that Brian has. And I think that's what he likes, really. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think it's a sexual thing, but it's that lust after his power that can definitely be misinterpreted in a different way. Um, so for now, well, for now, I'm going to say it's, it's misinterpreted. We shall Is see it? what happens with these Is it? Two. I'm not telling you anything. Just look at me. No, <laughs> I cannot look at you. I have to look at my notes because we got stuff to talk about. <laughs> um, so Michael is taking Ted in for an interview, and it's going to be at the Big Q. And uh, <laughs> you brought this up last episode, but this family does look out for each other. Like, this is, this is the best that Michael can offer right now. And so this is what he's telling you. He's talking about all the benefits at the Big Q. And Ted says that it's a relief to know I'll never have to pay full price for toilet paper. Now, <laughs> listen, in this COVID world, that's Facts. like a big benefit. <laughs> Boy, you winning right now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You got dibs on everything. Yeah. Um, but apparently, Ted, uh, Michael has put in a good word for Ted. Now, Michael did quit the bit Q in a huff. Like, if I remember correctly, he literally ran out of there. Uh, but I guess during the years he worked there, he was a good, hardworking employee. So, so they, they still trust him. Yeah. He can't go back and work, but they, right. they, they, they <laughs> trust him. He can recommend somebody yes. else, maybe. Yeah. Well, we do see a familiar face, and so maybe this is why he got away with his recommendation, because it's Tracy. Oh, my God. You know I've missed her. Yeah, she's a manager now. And I, she looks beautiful. Yeah, I love it when they bring people back, because it makes it look, seem so real. Yes. Like, Tracy's still out here living her life. Yeah. And so, yeah. I was like, oh, my God. It was a breath of fresh air to see Tracy. I was like, oh. You're still at the queue? She's still at the queue, but she moving up. You yeah, know? moving on she up, She ain't girl. still like Marley over there on, on, you know, on the register. Well, hopefully she's gone. Okay? <laughs> like, I don't want to see her no more. I, I No, uh-uh. Mm-mm. Ted is being considered for an assistant bookkeeper job, and Tracy says that he's overqualified. And um, Ted knows all that, of course, but he... And, you know, I kind of get it because I've definitely been in a position where I had to do what I had to do until I could do better. Exactly. So I don't blame him for going... To try to make an honest day's pay after an honest day's work at the Big Q. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's his catchphrase. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But no, for, seriously though, to go, to be a big time accountant and then a high roller in your own, um, your, yeah, your own business. Yeah, starting your own production company. Yeah, production yeah. company to go to the Big Q. I mean, a lot of people would not. And, and the that fact pride, that, he, yeah, that yeah. pride. And the fact that he, you know, pushed it to the side and like coming in, he was excited to mm-hmm. be there, you know? He had talked himself up. Yeah. Like, okay, I'm going to do this. I mean, I, I commend him. So I was happy for him as well. Yeah. So then we see Melanie at her office, and she's delegating and cutting back at work. I did not expect that. I thought she was just going to try to, you know, do it all. But anyway, she's being very proactive, and her colleagues are a little surprised to see it because she's a career woman. But I think she has some idea of what all is involved with pregnancy and labor and all of that because she went through it with Lindsay. You know, we didn't really get to see Lindsay during her pregnancy. What's your like? What's your head canon on that? What do you think she was like? High drama, low maintenance, 
No, I think Lindsay probably was low maintenance. I think she probably always wanted to have a child. She envisioned herself to having a child. She, I think it was, I ain't gonna say, yeah, I think it was enjoyable, like fun for her. Like it was one of those moments that she would cherish for life forever. I don't think she was high maintenance at all, knowing Lindsay, not at all. I, I could see her trying to do it all, not necessarily by the book, but like, I want it to be like this, and so yes. I want it to go like that. And, and so I'm I going see, to Lamaze. And yeah, I'm, yeah mm-hmm. I can see her like planning it all out and really wanting to kind of follow that plan. Not but I don't call that neuro- maintenance. No, no, no. Not, not necessarily in a neurotic way, but just I see her. She envisioned it going a certain way because she talked about before how she dreamed what her wedding was going right, to be like. And right. so I'd imagine she dreamed what motherhood was going to be like for her. And so, yeah, I don't think she was. I wouldn't say I, I think that she was high maintenance, but. I do feel like she had a plan and she wanted to go by her plan. No, and, and that's Lindsay, though. I, yeah. I, I totally agree with that as well. But I wouldn't say that she's high maintenance at all. I mean, she's she's a badass, actually. Like, I just, I don't know. I love her. <laughs> at times. Uh, yeah. At times. <laughs> at times. Uh, so one of the partners at the firm comes in and he tells Melanie that the state Supreme Court has accepted their appeal for one of their cases. And they talk about re reassigning everything but melanie has devoted three years of her life to this particular case and she doesn't want to just hand that over she says it'll be a landmark decision well a case like this will require a lot of time and attention and way more effort and hours than melanie was planning to limit herself to she can't do that all being part-time so uh, she's got a lot to think about she's got some choices to make but uh, i do it's clear that this would mean a whole lot to melanie yeah i mean i'm not about to work for three years and then just pass off all my hard ass work to somebody else. I'm like, yeah. I'm not gonna do that because you know she was invested every single day. I mean, building this case, doing appeals, going building to a relationship with yeah. these clients. Yeah. So absolutely not. Like, no, Melly ain't even. She's not even showing yet. Like, <laughs> I mean, I she's mean, like, she's like two minutes pregnant. Maybe you two <laughs> minutes. Like, stop playing with me, girl. Like, yeah, you cutting back already. Like, girl, no, chill. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Too soon. Then we see a very naked Brian Kinney climbing into the hot tub with Stockwell. And Brian says, it's hot. And after a little, um, and uh, Stockwell says, it takes some getting used to, but once you're inside, it feels dang good. Girl, see, that's the shit I'm talking about. <laughs> that's that shit I'm talking. I mean, y'all don't want that. Y'all don't want to see it. Y'all telling me, look, that's crazy. I'm not commenting, but uh, uh. after a little pause, Brian agrees with him. Um. So they're sitting there in the in the hot tub, and Stockwell says, I like you, Kenny. And Brian's face is like, okay, plot, continue to thicken. <laughs> <laughs> but he does manage a, thanks, Jim, and a, you too. Well, Jim starts a conversation about his plans after he wins, and Brian is like, oh, I'm, I'm sure you'll bail on all your campaign promises and bezel all the city's money and flee. <laughs> and I think Brian was joking about the last two, but I do think he was serious about the first one. Like, yeah. he doesn't expect Stockwell to do any of the things that he said he was going to do. Well, Jim says that he plans to introduce Brian to all of the fat cats who have been backing his campaign. And Brian says, I certainly hope so, because that's the only reason he's been doing all of this. Like, he's been doing what he's felt he had to do to get ahead. Mm-hmm. And he's been very upfront about that from the jump with himself, with Stockwell, with Debbie and everybody else. Now, yep. they might not be listening, but he's been very clear about what his intentions were. Jim says that he also likes Brian's style. He's straightforward with no BS. And uh, then Jim wants to confide in Brian. And he wants to tell him something that he's only ever told his wife. When I tell y'all, Ken, like, jumped in front of the TV. Girl, I was like, I told you. I knew it. I knew it. I was like, 
I'm disappointed, though. <laughs> yeah, he was disappointed because turns out the secret he wanted to reveal is that he is scared of winning. He never expected to be anything more than a cop. Um, but now he feels like he could be leading a city and people will be counting on him to come through for them. And he questions if he can really handle it and deliver for them. You kind of see that Brian's in his inner sanctum. I think part of Jim feels like Brian is firmly in his in his camp. And he's really given Brian this like right-hand man status. And I think also in the scene, Brian is realizing that Jim is seeing this as more than just a working relationship. Like, mm-hmm. Brian wasn't really trying to make friends here. And I think the idea of that kind of makes him a little uncomfortable because he needs to have that firm separation between personal and professional. And so, yeah, I think he's kind of wanting out of this steamy and intimate moment. Because it's very <laughs> steamy and it's intimate. Yeah. You're over here telling your secrets of you scared. But what I will say about the scene, I thought it was a really, really nice scene because yeah. Brian had every chance to, you know, eat him alive. Because mm-hmm. Brian, Brian holds all the cards. But I feel like Brian was very honest and open with him, you know? Yeah, and um, he, he allowed Stockwell to be open with him. Yeah. Like, Brian says to him, well, that's never stopped a politician before. And, he, and then he says, and besides, everyone has doubts. And Jim says, even you? And in a rare moment of vulnerable honesty, Brian says, sometimes. I was shocked. Yeah, well, you know, actually, Brian's moments of vulnerable honesty aren't all that rare if you know what you're looking for. Right. But, but for what, him to admit it, though. Right, For yeah. him to say, voice those words. That's what I was shocked on. What do you think Brian's doubts are about? Um, you know what? To be honest, um, oh well, having somebody him being capable of loving someone the way they needed to be loved, yeah, you know, because he never experienced love from his parents, so he doesn't know what that really kind of feels like. Mm-hmm. Um, so clearly he blocks himself out. Um, another one, his doubts: Will he ever make it out of Pittsburgh? Like, I mean, he is the top dog there, but he's not satisfied with there. I think his top goal, like we saw. First season, I, mean, I think it was season one. Yeah, season one. Yeah, um, when he was going up for that promotion for, uh, in New York, he wanted to go there to that firm, um, you know, but then everything fell through. Um, so I, I think that's like his doubts. Like, mm-hmm. he knows he's good. He knows he's a badass. But yeah, so I have, you second guess sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And we, are, we already know about his self-esteem stuff. But uh, I think the rest of what you said is exactly, is exactly right. Like, he does doubt, will he be deserving of love can he give love to somebody that's that's worth something like mm-hmm. i think he he doubts and wonders can i be a good person can i be a good father a good friend a good partner i do think he has all of those doubts and yeah will my career will i ever get past this like glass ceiling that's here for me in, in mm-hmm. pittsburgh yeah um i would say that he's probably got some doubts about his role in this campaign too um I don't. Th- uh, maybe I mean because he's well, playing. He's playing I mean, a dicey game. Yeah, he is, and it's like I have to. I have to believe that a part of him is like, even though he's committed to doing it, I have to believe a part of him is like, but should I be doing it? Right. Yeah. No. True. Even though especially, he's doing it. Yeah, <laughs> and especially since I mean, like the whole community has come down on him hard for you know doing this. So mm, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's a doubt. Yeah. Uh, well, Jim's a bit surprised to hear Brian's response, and he says that he thought Brian was one of those golden boys who can always pull him off, pull it off. And Brian assures him that he can always pull it off, and he says so can Jim. I really think it's getting hotter in the kitchen. <laughs> I mean, those words. Just... No, I don't mean like the, the the sexual tension. I mean just like the uncomfortableness of Brian's involvement in this whole thing. Well, he's getting in deep. Right. Like, I yeah, mean, he's, yeah, getting he's, deep. he's getting really, really, like, really Like, I could be totally misreading this or seeing something that's not there, but I noticed that they're having these deeper conversations in where, you know, Brian's being pulled deeper into Jim's orbit in very hot places. Like, yeah. Not hot as in sexy, but, like, literally hot. Because when Jim was talking about Ted, 
and using that case to further his steam campaign. Room. They, yeah, they were in the steam room. And now Jim is sharing his deepest fears and concerns like a best friend would. And they're in this hot tub. And so I think we're seeing how the temperature is being turned right. up on Brian. Literally. <laughs> yeah, very literally. as making him squirm more and more with this arrangement. But he does have a goal and an end game in mind. And I think he's just trying to focus on that. And he knows it's only a few short weeks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I might have said this before, but Brian is fully intent on... Once he wins, I'm out of here. I'm going to use that to my benefit, to my advantage, and get out of here. So he ain't going to have to deal with it Yeah, anyway. like, I won't even be in this state, y'all. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, over at the diner, Debbie is delivering a pink plate special to her special guy. And Carl comments that it's hot and delicious, and he isn't talking about the lunch. Look oh. at young Deborah and Detective Horvath getting fresh in the young diner. Young Deborah, come through, <laughs> young Deborah. I just love when they're together. Yeah. yeah. It's such a cute little scene because we never get to see Debbie with a man. So, like, God. Or having her own life. Her own life, you know? <laughs> yeah. And it's so cute because she gets all giddy and schoolgirlish when she's mm-hmm. around him. So, it was like, oh, that's so cute. Yeah. Uh, well, Ted and Emmett are also at the diner. And um, Ted is telling Emmett how the interview went. And he tells him that Tracy just needs some final approval to be able able to offer him the job. Ted says the position and pay are beneath him, but there's no shame in an honest day's pay for an honest day's work. (laughs) Well, Emmett is very proud of him for having a successful interview, but he knows this isn't ideal. But Emmett is being so supportive and encouraging. And I think that's really good. It could be a little bit to where. Well, I'll revisit that. (laughs) Okay. Uh, So how do you feel about seeing Ted in a suit again? Um. I wasn't here for it. I mean, although I'm happy for him getting his feet back wet in the working industry, I feel like if he has something to do, it'll, it'll um, take him away from drinking as much and, and doing those drugs. It'll keep his mind, it'll get him back healthy again. Because right now I feel like he's just wasting away because he's he's depressed. So seeing him, in, if that's what's going to bring him back happiness, I'm happy for you. Although I think he's such a creative guy, he could do so much more. It don't have to be porn. Like he was doing, but he could he could find something else to do yeah. where he could he wouldn't have to be in that suit again. Or find a company that you care about. If you're yes. gonna have to go back to accounting work, then be passionate about the work that the company is doing. Exactly. Um, but yeah, for me seeing him in a suit again, it almost felt like amnesia or something. Like like we've erased a lot of growth and change from Ted. Uh I feel like we're back where we started with him, but it's even worse because now he's had a taste of the good life. Yep. And so it's like through no intentional fault of his own, he flew too close to the sun. Yep. Is that kind of how I feel seeing him in a suit again? Debbie comes over to remind them about an event to raise money for a suicide prevention hotline. It's the Tease for Teens that's going to be held at Woody's. And um I like Debbie's shirt in this in this scene, it says, drugs lead nowhere, however scenic the route. <laughs> um, and then she says, Kiki, the new waitress, formerly Kenny, the old waiter, is going to be hosting this event. Well, then we see Kiki, and it turns out that the pink plate special is causing some ruckus in her oh, tummy. <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, Debbie just barely saves Carl from the same fate, and she offers him a burger instead. Debbie was running to save her yeah, man. Okay. I love that little scene. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, Kiki asks Debbie to take over her hosting duties. Debbie initially tells her to ask one of her sisters, who's more used to performing, and Kiki says they all model themselves after Debbie, which is quite a compliment, mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess. Well, Debbie doesn't think she can handle the show, but Ted and Emmett are there to support her. 
And they tell her she's bigger than life. She has a very big mouth, which, you know, that's all you need to be a great hostess. That's and it. Carl comes over and it just so happens that those are all the things that he loves about about his girl. And he said he wouldn't have her any other way. It was so sweet. I mean, again, I love Carl the way he treats her. I love that he courted her. He finally got her and he's still sweet and still dating her. Now they're still together. So I Yeah. Think and cute. he's become so comfortable coming there. To the diner. He's to the there. Diner. Yeah. Yeah. He's there to see her, but yeah. he's comfortable being seen in that environment. And yeah. he treats the guys nice. Yeah, like, I he mean, does. he was an ass when we first met. I hated this man. <laughs> okay. He was an ass. And, and yeah. And the fact that he's still courting her, like they're together. But I feel like to make a relationship healthy, you still have to date that person. Right. You yeah. Know? He and comes he still to her place. Her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so at Michael's shop, Justin is showing Michael his pitch for the new cover of the next issue of Rage, and it's JT thawing Rage's heart the uh, best way he knows how. <laughs> Mouth almighty, okay. Uh, well, Justin thinks this option would be an attention grabber, and he says the issues would fly off the shelves, and Michael says that Brian has rubbed off on him, which is true in a way, because... Brian, as Brian says, you know, sex sells. True. It, it's the truth. Which which cover did you like better? Well, I think for the reasons that Justin gives, I did prefer his. So Michael wants to use a more suitable image, one that mm-hmm. has like Icena and Rage and I think Zephyr there on it. And something less porn-like is right. kind of how Michael describes it. <laughs> right. it. But Justin says about his, the one he's proposing, he says it's supposed to be a gay comic. It's unapologetic, daring, sexual, and in your face. And uh, Michael points out, well, there's a difference between being daring and then sex for sex sake. So I think because Justin is saying, hey, we're not hiding from what our comic book is about. And so we're putting it out there so that there's no question what it's about. And Mm -hmm. also because we don't need to be ashamed or afraid of what we're portraying in here. Right, right. So for that reason, I kind of prefer Justin's. What about you? Oh, you know, I prefer Justin's. (laughs) 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 You know, I... I preferred You justice. don't need the, like, two minutes nah, of explanation that I, I gave. No, nah, I didn't need that. You know what I'm saying? When I saw it, I was like, ooh. That's the one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, Justin is very passionate about the message that his art conveys. And he says that this image isn't just about sex. It's about thawing Rage's cold heart, bringing him back to life. It's about their love and their unspoken commitment. That was dope. Yeah. And it's no secret that this comic is personal for both justin and michael Mm -hmm. so uh you know when michael says it's art imitating life that's a very appropriate comment there i mean art imitating life i mean what's that was juice pig right yeah so i mean yeah yeah they definitely slipped some real life in there but anyway all of what justin says that's so true in another way because that's exactly what sex is about for brian and justin like sure there's this carnal pleasure to it but it's more than that also But also here in this scene, I think Michael's comment makes Justin think about something because there's a stark contrast between this conversation and one of the last conversations they had in the shop when Justin was telling Brian in season two. I'm sorry, when Justin was telling Michael in season two that Brian doesn't love him and because he wouldn't say it. And Michael remembers that conversation and now Justin is having to revisit it as well. And that's why Justin tells Michael, you were right. Brian showed me he loved me every day even though he never said it and even though he never will. But I also think that Michael just kind of doesn't want to have Brian and Justin and their activities thrown in his face. Yeah, that's true. But at the same time, that is not your man. That is your friend. Right. Also, I feel like Michael was supposed to give Justin an apology as well. Like, I'm sorry for being, you know, know, overstepping my bounds in Mm y'all business. mm -hmm. Like, I'm pretty sure I made things worse when y'all were both going through it. I mean, I love how mature Justin was in that moment. 
Why is it that the youngest person is the most mature? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. I was like, Michael. You said a word there. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, what the hell? But anyway. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think Michael's got some other stuff going on. It's not just about the pornographic image on this cover art. I think, yeah, he clearly has some, there's some more going on to that. And I think Justin probably picks up on that. And so he tells Michael to think it over, you know, think over the, the cover image. And he leaves. Um, so then we see Melanie and Lindsay, and they're both home after a day at work. Lindsay is rocking another turtleneck here. <laughs> <laughs> but she's actually killing this one, though. I she love her in that all black. She's yeah. Killing. And Melanie is telling her about this case, the Arland case. And she says that, um, she tells her that it's reached the state Supreme Court after. So, so what happened with this woman is after 15 years of living with her very abusive and neglectful husband, she finally leaves him for a woman. And then the husband sued her for custody of the kids, and he won. Garbage. Yeah, I know. And then Lindsay says, oh, yeah, because a drunk, abusive, unemployed, straight man makes a better a better parent than two lesbians any day. Everybody knows that. Yeah. And I love how this show always drops these, like, reality bombs that are reminders of the status quo in the public perception where the LGBTQIA plus community is concerned, like. I love how they just drop that stuff out there. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, oh, dang, that's true. That's right. No, facts, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, like, I still hear people saying stuff like this when it comes to adoption. Like, really, you'd rather a child bounce from foster home to foster home or wind up in a shelter or orphanage than have than be adopted by two men or two women? It's like, ridiculous. I mean, yeah. it's so silly. I know. Let me insert an eye roll there. Yeah, please. <laughs> Do two of them. Okay. Yeah. And a hair flip. Yeah. So this woman, Miss Arlen, is now limited to supervised visitation. And so Melanie, like, really, really, really wants to fight this case and defend this woman's rights to be in this relationship with another woman and to have her kids and be a great, a great parent. Um, and so Melanie feels like she has to be the one to win this case. And Lindsay has noticed that Melanie's made this very personal. So we knew that their roles were going to be shifting in their relationship, but I didn't realize until this episode that Melanie was going to be working part time. I just thought Lindsay's going to be working also. Melanie's going to be working. But so anyway, she's supposed to cut back and um, that's what they agreed to. So I think now with Melanie trying to convince Lindsay, like, I have to do this. I have to be one to do this. I have to fight for this woman. It's for it's for our community. It's for the children. It's for the future. Uh, <laughs> you know, like, she's going for it. Too, yeah, it's like, girl, you are laying it on real thick. And while they're having this conversation, Melanie is cooking, but she's so involved in talking about this case that she's about to burn the food. <laughs> and, so, and Lindsay ain't having it. Yeah. No, not at all. She ain't having it. This is what I like about Lindsay, because for one, she's there every day with Gus. Um, she's working now, too. And she's still doing all the house duties. And now she's overseeing you cooking. She's the boss. You know what I'm saying? Like, she's over here killing it. But um, I feel like Melanie has gotten herself way in over her head. Like, you want to do all this and that. You didn't make any sacrifices. Like, I mean, yes, you're going part-time now, but are you really? Like, you sound like right. you really invested in this case, boo. Yeah, I think that with most things with them, they didn't talk it all the way through. Right, yeah. <laughs> but it does seem like they actually talked this through, but but Melanie is backtracking. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fast. Uh, Yeah. So, um, Lindsay's a little worried about her juggling all of this because she already in this conversation is needing Lindsay to do the daycare drop off the next day, which we know Melanie's been doing that because when we saw Lindsay going to work her first day, she left so Melanie could feed Gus and then get him to school. So she's supposed to be doing that, but now she's got sorry, need Lindsay to help out with it. Again, that's her not really 
making that time. You said you're going you're gonna to help out a little more, but now here you go again, the first step. Again, you're not even showing yet, girl, and you already, you know what I'm saying, backtracking, you're on a quick step. Yeah. And you're not even showing yet. You don't, you don't even have any of the symptoms of being pregnant yet. And you're already, like, throwing all the extra weight. And Lindsay didn't even want no extra child. Lindsay didn't want a new baby to basically hinder her in her career. Like, she didn't want that to hold her back is right. what, it, what it, you know, is how I took it. And it's like, okay, you said, no, you're going to carry the baby and you're going to take on the burden of this and make this sacrifice here so that I can go back to work. But now it's like, no, you're, you're going back on what you said. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they've got some stuff to work out. <laughs> well, over at Tease for Teens, the fellows have come out to show their support. Brian and Justin are there together. Brian is looking good in the scene with his guns out, and I think he needed to make up for that awful yellow number he was wearing earlier <laughs> in this in this episode. Uh, well, Vic, Michael, and Ben are also there, and we see Michael giving Brian and Justin some serious stank eye over there. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So in the script, Daphne was supposed to be in this scene as well. Oh. Yeah. But I can see her there with the guys, though. I can, I can actually see her there supporting. Yeah, I can totally see her there, but I don't think there were any other women there, which wouldn't matter. Other but than Debbie. Yeah. yeah, other than Debbie, I don't think there were any other women there. So I get, maybe that's why they scrapped it. I'll have to look at that in right. the script again. But she has some dialogue and everything. So anyway, just a little interesting tidbit I wanted to put out there. Well, anyway... um, Brian is trying to show off in front of his man. He gets Justin's attention and he tells him, he tells this guy who's walking by them, he's going to be one of the dancers that he'll give him a hundred bucks if he shows all of his goods on stage. And this is supposed to just be a tease, not the whole, yeah, <laughs> not the whole meal, you know? But you wave some money in front of somebody. You know, yeah. Especially, I mean, a hundred dollars is a hundred dollars, but back then a hundred dollars was a hundred dollars. Okay. Yeah. So. Well, and Justin knows what Brian is doing, and he tells him, like, you're evil. And Brian <laughs> says, I'm sweet. And then yeah. they have a, a little quick little sweet kiss right there. Look at the two of them. They just, like, cannot <laughs> I know. get over being back with each other. Um, You know, I wanted to say something here. I want to get your thoughts on it. Um, I haven't really fleshed this out, so it might not make any sense. And I got a sense. question for you, too. Okay, this might not make any sense. But... I do. So part of the thing with season two was like some of the this wasn't the whole reason for the breakup, but some of the discussion was about romance. I do think that Brian does romance. I just think he does romance in a different way, like in his own way. And I do think that he wants to be romanced by Justin, you know, not with flowers and greeting cards. But I think he likes it when Justin looks at him and smiles at him like he's in awe. And he likes for Justin to think he's funny or smart. And he likes being seen and understood by Justin. Mm-hmm. I think he also, the way that he, when he touches Justin, I think that's romance for him. When he touches his hair, when he nuzzles his his face or whatever. and It's a cute little affection. Yeah, the yeah. two of them dancing together like they're the only people at Babylon. I think that's romance to Brian. So I do feel like Brian is romantic, just in his own way. I can do it too. And also we know Brian is not a follower, so he's not going to do like the traditional stuff. I'm not going to bring you flowers. He We're didn't not... grow up seeing that. Yeah, yeah, you know, like, no, he And didn't. even when, I'm sure when Jack did it, it didn't mean anything because the next day you're drunk and hitting people and exactly. whatever. So, and, yeah. and cursing and, and, you know, calling names. Yeah. So, I mean, I he's mean, not going to And when he gave that. his mom flowers, she was like, oh, these same ones again. So, yeah. none of that stuff has any meaning to him. Exactly. So, he's not going to do like the traditional what people think romance is. You know, right. he's going to create his own. Also, he's fun, hip, and young. He's going to do what makes his spirit feels young. Um, so, no, he's not. He's he's romantic in his own way, like you said. He's going to do. He's going to put. The, he's going to play the ball the way he wants to play it, not by what what people are trying to make him. Play, right, not by what society says exactly. it needs to look like. Yeah. What was your question for me? 
Do you think Justin is back at the loft or is he still at Daphne's? Ooh. I like I wonder where is he? What do you think? Uh, I think he's still at Daphne's at the moment. You know, like I don't think the Browns is gonna let him pack on up and come back in just yet. Like, no, maybe you gotta work for this. I don't even know if it's a good idea for them to just jump back into it like that. Yeah, that'd be too too soon. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they gotta get reacclimated. We'll but, have to see how they answer that question. Um, but that's a good question. Um, again, just more about this scene, like Brian is still just so happy to have him back and to be able to to joke around with him and play with him in this way too. Like we've seen them kind of reclaiming some territories, like we said, and then we saw them forgiving each other and moving on and in, in at the end of 308. And so now just to see them having some fun together here in this mm-hmm. scene is really is really nice. Um, I love how they just kind of fall back into step with one another. And I think that's because they never really fell out of love with each other. They didn't. Yeah. It was just a little break. I think Brian, Brian did the mature thing. He let Justin go to right. experience, you know. Right, to explore, to yeah. to see, okay, maybe if that's what you want, go and see if it's if it really is what you want. Right. And if it's everything that you think is going to be. And he was hurt because he knew that he always tried to give Justin everything. From him not having to work in a damn strip club, I mean, um, the bar, you know, to paying his tuitions, to trying to better his art with getting him the, the computer, to, you know, bringing him to his house, to overseeing him when he was in the hospital and he didn't even know. I feel like Brian felt like he always tried to give Justin what he needed, and then he was hurt that Justin didn't see. But he understood because he knows he's young, and he let him go out. So he didn't fall out of love with him. So like you said, I think they always remained in love with each other, but Brian just needed Justin to see. Yeah, yeah. I think they both needed to learn some things during that that separation, and we'll kind of dig a little deeper into that. Um, But for now, we see Michael over at Woody's, and he's being very self-righteous, and he's like, what is it about gay men where they'll invent any excuse to show off their um, business? <laughs> and, uh, uh, he's like, maybe it's because they feel it's all they have to show. And Ben is like, oh, Mr. Novotny, when did you become such a prude? I'm like, facts. When? Yeah. And he says, well, he just doesn't understand why everything has to be about sex. Well, then he mentions Justin's cover for Rage, but there's a little slip and he references B- Brian and Justin, not Rage and JT. Mm-hmm. And Michael asks him how... I'm sorry, and Ben asks him how Michael, I mean, Zephyr, feels about that. <laughs> and Michael says, well, neither of us care. I'm like, mm, Boy, I don't think I please. believe you. Please, <laughs> it's written all over your face. We can see right through all that Maybelline, boy. Yeah, at least one of you cares. Uh, well, Emmett and Ted show up for the festivities, and Ted is asking Michael if he's heard anything from Tracy. Michael doesn't really want to tell him. He's, like, trying to, like, oh, we can talk later. But um, the truth comes out, and apparently the district manager had someone else in mind who was more qualified for the job that Ted was overqualified Mm. for. So that is a little, that's a head scratcher. And what sucks is that Ted looked genuinely excited to have some good news, Mm -hmm. even if it wasn't for an ideal job. But it was something, it was going to be something good, a step in a good direction. But he does not get, uh, get any good news there. Uh, meanwhile, Debbie's doing a great job as the host. Uh, she brings up the next performer, and Brian flashes him that little hundy to remind him of the, <laughs> reminding him of their wager. But while all this is going on, Emmett is keeping a watchful eye on Ted, who just received yet another disappointing blow. Um, and so I think is what I was getting to earlier. Emmett's being very supportive and very patient and very understanding, but I'm all. It's almost like okay, Emmett, at some point. You got to step in, baby. Yeah. 
You have to step in. Yeah. But also, I'm pretty sure Emmett doesn't think, because you know how close Emmett and Ted is, are. You probably don't, Emmett probably doesn't think that Ted is as deep in as he is, you know? And, and if he was, he probably would have communicated that with him because they were best friends. And now that they're best friends and lovers, he would think that you would, you know, just tell me those type of things. So, I mean. Yeah. I like that Emmett is still watching, but not hovering over. Yeah, and, that, and that's probably a good move because it, it's all very situational. Like, the situation is really bad right now. And mm-hmm. so this is what Ted is doing to not feel pain in this situation. It's, it's not the way I suggest people cope with pain. Not at all. But that is what Ted is doing in this situation. And so I'm sure Emmett's just keeping a watchful eye, but it's like, hey, this too shall pass kind of thing is mm-hmm. what he's thinking. and so. Yeah. Well, back on stage, Mr. Joe Boxer earns his hundy right as he, and right as he does, uh, an undercover member of the Pittsburgh PD makes his presence known and he slights him for a code violation due to lewd and immoral behavior. So the rumors were true. There are undercovers all over Liberty Avenue. Yeah. I mean, I guess Woody's isn't zoned or licensed for that sort of performance because I know that there are places that do allow it, so right, I guess just yeah. Woody's doesn't doesn't allow that. Yeah. Um, well, Debbie chimes in to say that they're just having a little fun and raising money for a very important cause, but them's the rules, sweetheart. So, man, you telling me now you couldn't go down the street to we'll just say Austin Avenue on the other side of town, and there's right. no girls on the bar dancing, right? Mm-hmm. For free, right? Not even for a charity. You know what I'm <laughs> yeah. Saying? Like, uh-huh. Get the hell up out of here. Yeah. Well, they shut down the whole party and the other the um the undercover guy sees Brian and it's clear that he recognizes him from somewhere. I was like, ooh, he in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> Melanie is back at work with her co-counsel and they're talking about the Arland case. And he tells her to instruct the client to look less like a lesbian when she has to appear in court. I did some trial and jury consulting work for a minute and what you're doing is you're like prepping people like this is how a jury is going to perceive you. This is what they're going to think if you say this or do this or look like that or position your hand like this. And so that stuff should not matter, but it definitely, it definitely matters. Unfortunately, you have to play to the, the jury. And yes. Sometimes perception matters more than the actual truth. So, but again, that's one of those things that they put out there. Hey, if she looks like a lesbian, they're going to, they're going to think, oh, she's a lesbian. She can't raise this kid. That's not going to be a safe, appropriate home for children. Right. So ridiculous but anyway it's what it is well someone comes in to say that miss arlen will need to delay her appointment and melanie's supposed to pick up gus from daycare yeah this co-counsel guy is all too eager to take over but melanie says don't worry she's got it she doesn't have it she calls Lindsay. girl (laughs) she don't don't even think right i would have been calling ted yeah call debbie call anybody else anybody i would have broke down and called brian's ass okay and she calls her at work she's like not even calling her personal cell phone number because she asks to speak to Lindsay peterson she calls her at work so like girl you calling me at my place of business asking me to do something that your ass supposed to do that you said you could handle and that, right. I already dropped them off at daycare this morning. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like, and then you were able to pick them up. Now I'm dropping off and picking them up. Like, girl, come on now. Uh-uh. Yeah. Yeah. And like, uh-uh. Yeah. Well, we, Debbie is at the diner and she is orchestrating a protest and she's rallying the troops to defend their freedom of speech, their freedom to assemble and their freedom to strip if they want to. And they are going to go right down to the police headquarters. Well, Brian walks in and sees all this, and he's like, okay, what's going on in here? Well, Debbie makes a takes a jab at him, and Michael makes a quick little, clever little joke, and 
Debbie says, hey, this is serious. And she says the entire future of Liberty Avenue is being threatened and Brian doesn't care. And he's helping to make it happen. Well, Brian's not going to explain or defend himself in front of all these people. So he walks right up to Debbie and asks if she can get him some lunch because he's going to be late to his prayer group. (laughs) Well, Debbie tells him that he should do the right thing and come with them, come march with them. Well, Michael, of course, steps in to defend him and says Brian didn't cause the raid. Well, he kind of did because that guy might not have gone that far had Brian not suggested it. Right. So, now, clearly, those cops were looking for any reason to shut them down. Yeah, but... they were. Well, I mean, he. I mean, yeah. Listen, that's a grown ass man. Okay, <laughs> you were enticed by a hundred dollars to show your stuff right in front of everybody when you know it's supposed to be for a charity event. It was a tease, baby. Okay, right. not a whole, not a whole strip naked. Okay, you got butt naked. You showed all your little dick. Okay, all of it. Yeah, so, well, Ben chimes in to say that Brian has been encouraging Stockwell to target the gay community. And Michael says he never once mentioned them. And Debbie corrects him by saying us. Like, Michael, what is going on with you? Who is them? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, Ben says that he has implied us in everything that he said. Because that's really true. Stockwell hasn't singled out, said anything about gay people specifically. But your police are all over the Mm -hmm, gay neighborhood. mm Mm-hmm. You're enforcing those laws here at the gay neighborhood. And so Debbie asks Michael, whose side is he on? His friends, his family, his community, or Brian's? And I think that's a bit of what's going on. Michael is so used to defending Brian that he just walks into it blindly. And so now his wires are all crossed. Yeah, like he don't know what to (laughs) do. Yeah, he don't know where he stands on anything. Um, I think the look on Brian's face, he knows that this isn't just affecting him anymore. Like he's putting his friends and family in, in an awkward spot too. But I like the bell ringing here and Brian's face like, well, Michael, yeah. what's your answer? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, Michael follows Brian out. Uh, <laughs> cut to the scene. Michael <laughs> follows him right on out. Y'all know Mike was going to follow Brian of out. Of course he's going to follow him out. Okay. Uh, I don't even know. I was, I was second guessing like, yeah, what Michael going to do? <laughs> then the next scene came up. He outside. Oh, Lord. Yep. I should have known. Yep. He follows him out and he says, I just want you to know that I think what you're doing sucks. And Brian says, not you too. I think part of Brian figured Michael would know that Brian hasn't been taken over by the dark side. Like, I think he thought Michael would assume that he had some kind of angle he was working here. Mm-hmm. Like, he's really not drinking the Sockwell Kool-Aid. This is business for him. I think exactly. he, he expected Michael to know that. And I expect Michael to know that. Like, he tells him that Sockwell is just stirring up stuff for votes and attention. And he says, it's all going to blow over once he's elected. Uh, So... Initially, Brian was on board to give Stockwell a fighting chance, but I think now he knows he has to get Stockwell a win in order to get those fat cats, <laughs> you know? Uh, and Michael says, well, like it blew over for Ted. And Brian says, well, Ted messed up and that's not my problem. I think Brian still feels like he's innocent or at least a little neutral in all of this. Do you agree with that? No, I don't. No. Brian didn't pull the trigger, but I mean, he loaded the gun. So, I mean, no, I don't think he's that innocent. Yeah, even though I understand it and get it, I still think it makes him a little bit complicit because, you know, true, I think that Stockwell will be doing some of this stuff no matter what. So I do want to emphasize that. But he was trailing in the polls and probably would have been left in the dust were it not for Brian's very great and good help. (laughs) But he is the police chief. And so I think all that he has enforced so far, he's done it from that capacity. He's like not even the mayor. He's enforced that stuff from his current position. So. Mm He would probably still be doing some of that, but I think Brian kind of helped 
accidentally direct him right to where he needed to be exactly and uh so i think brian should assume that he would do even more of that if he was given more power exactly uh but maybe he thinks that things will settle and continue like they always have because he thinks he's just a politician he thinks right. he's, he's doing this just to win mm-hmm. and then it's all gonna go back to normal yeah and so even with this stuff it's like you know there's something little that happens but then they move on like it with ted like that happened it was in the news yeah yeah, yeah but it moved on well now ted's life is still in shambles so in shambles mm, yes like no we didn't really move on yet dude so (laughs) yeah oh michael tells him ma's right you don't care about anyone but yourself and brian says well if i don't who will but that little smirk he gives makes me think think that brian might have taken offense to what michael said right because even though i don't 100 percent agree with brian's choice to help stockwell i think he has shown many times throughout the season so far that he does care about his family so while the next thing brian says is true and a goal of his I think there's always also a hint of um, of just as well in what he says. Like he says, um, essentially, if I don't care about anyone here, I might as well get out of this second-rate, second-class burg, and I might as use Stockwell and his supporters to fatten my pockets and my portfolio. He's like, that part. if that's what you think about me, if I don't care about anybody here, I might as well just take my winnings and yep. run. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and Michael says, well, what about your second-rate friends? And Brian says, when I'm in my new office in New York, this will all seem like a distant memory. And Michael says, fine, go and take Justin with you. And we'll come back to that. No, no, let's, <laughs> uh, uh, he shouldn't have to bring that up. Okay? Right. Again, stay in your lane. Why are you always worried about his man? Yeah. Like, stop, boy. Oh, fine. Well, I think that's the whole thing. That's what, this is, that's what this is about. And so Brian stops him and he's like, wait, you didn't let me finish. It will all be a distant memory except for you, because wherever I go and whoever I'm with, I'll always love you. And Michael says BS, and Brian assures him that it's not BS. But it's not, though. He will always love you. He won't ever be in love with you, but he will always love you. You will always be his best friend. Why can't you understand that? Yeah, I think because for so long, it was just, he, Brian didn't have anybody else. It was like just him and Brian. And so, I mean, it was just Brian and Michael. And so, I think Michael doesn't know how to fit in with Brian and somebody else. So, okay. So I think Brian knows what's really going on with Michael. Like, yes, he might be a little bit upset about the Stockwell stuff, but he was already approved about all that stuff before the guy shut the party down. Michael was, he's already in a bad mood. So Mm -hmm. it's not really about that, but Michael has been demoted again. He was in the number one spot for a while after Brian and Justin broke up. And now that Justin is back, Michael is having to, move over again like shift over right and so he's never responded well to that and so i think it's a note of good old-fashioned jealousy as old as cain and abel and (laughs) brian is making an effort to reassure his friend that even though he's back with justin there will always be a place for michael in his life and he punctuates that with a kiss to michael's forehead thank god it was on the forehead that is literally what i wrote down (laughs) thank thank god it's not a kiss on the lips because i don't feel like that right now no that's literally what i wrote down we are past that (laughs) y'all i just don't feel like that right now okay maybe next episode right Right. now i don't i don't want it i don't either (laughs) yeah but anyway yeah that's what it is like brian's like okay this isn't really about sockwell this is about you feeling like you've been ousted from my life and wondering what your position is now so he does re uh reassure him now, I want to go back to the take Justin with you and the whoever I'm with, because those little words will not get by me. Yeah. And uh, let's say all this works out and Brian does go to New York. Is he taking Justin with him? Well, with that, whoever I'm with doesn't sound reassuring that, Justin, <laughs> that Justin's going. Um, but Justin always has a plan. So, I mean, if Brian was going and said he wasn't going to go with Justin, Justin was going to figure out a way to make Brian make him go. 
Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, I think maybe he was also saying those words just to reassure Michael, like, hey, who am I with? Because if he would have said, you know, you'll come with me and Justin, there probably would have been more gasoline onto the fire, you know? Yeah. So I think he I was think just saying. I think he meant Justin. Yeah, but he, he meant Justin, he but he was softening, yeah, exactly, softening the blood. Exactly. He knew not to say Justin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because that's a trigger for Michael. Right. So I think that's what I meant. Well, that's yeah. what he meant, I mean. Yeah, I think he would absolutely want Justin to come with him if it made sense for Justin's life. I think he would, mm-hmm. because he just got Justin back, and he's not planning to easily and quickly relinquish that. Yeah, and he also doesn't object to Michael saying or assuming he would take Justin with him. Right. In fact, he practically, in Brian Kenny's speak, agrees with that assumption by saying, whoever I'm with. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, anywho. Okay, so I've been on Michael's case a lot <laughs> lately, <laughs> but I think I can I can sympathize with him here, even though he's a little bit needy. Um, I've been in situations where, where you know, I was really close with a friend of mine, and we were thick as thieves. But then they, a new partner or a new person entered the equation, and it bumped me from my seat and my role. And I know what it's like to say, okay, well, well, now where do I fit in right here, and do I fit in right here? So. I understand it. So I'll give him a pass this time, but if it keeps coming up, I'm not going to be so understanding. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I agree. Like, it has to be a little scary. I mean, not even scary. To be that that number one man for so many years, then to get the boot to a young buck, I mean, it it has to be upsetting. Especially when, even if we can all have our different opinions on whether or not we think Brian, uh, Michael has moved on from his emotional feelings for Brian and whether or not he's still in love with him. We can all have our independent opinions on that. But uh, even if that's not in the equation, even if that's not part of it, at one point, Michael wanted to be the one in Brian's life in the way Justin is in his life. And yep. so to see not only am I not in my number one spot anymore, but you have someone else holding the position that I wanted for years. Yep. So I could see that being kind of hard. And Michael probably jumped through a million hoops in hopes that, you know, one day Brian is seeing. Ain't no probably. He did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Michael jumped through a million hoops in hopes that one day Brian would be like, okay, you know, I see that you care for me. I'm going to be with you. And that day never came. Right. So... Yeah, I'm going to give you, I'm going to let him make it this time, you know, but uh, this might be the last time. (laughs) Yeah, The one and only. Well, over at Ted and Emmett's place, Vic is reviewing the menu that Emmett is putting together for an event he will be catering. And it sounds amazing. (laughs) And uh, Ted comes out of bed pretty late in the day. And Ted asks about the party that Emmett is planning. And he says it's just a simple down home birthday. And Vic says, yeah, what, $50 a head? Well, so Emmett was kind of downplaying it a little bit. I think he doesn't want to rub his newfound success in, in Ted's face. So I've been very considerate about that. Yeah. But I, I but best. I want it. Yeah, Emmett is the best. I want Emmett to be able to celebrate the things that are going great for him. He but, shouldn't have to diminish his shine. Right, right. He shouldn't. He shouldn't have to put yeah, put his light under a bushel or under a bowl. But <laughs> yeah. I mean he he did it though because But I know why yeah, he's doing we it. We all yeah. know why he did it. And that's why Emmett really is I mean to me a he's fan favorite. A fan yeah. favorite. Yes. Yeah. Sweetheart. Yeah, well, Ted says it's good. It's a good thing that one of them is bringing home the bacon. And Ted is thinking that with the job at the Big Q, that his reputation might have preceded him. And that's very, very possible. I um, think that's what happened. Yeah, <laughs> it definitely could be. Well, Emmett is ever positive, And he says Ted isn't the first person to have to wait and work his way back into the good graces of the public. And he uses Vanessa Williams as an example. Oh, I died. What did he yeah. say? Vanessa Williams bumping bushes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
You know, another appropriate example is uh, Robert Downey Jr., but yeah. let me tell you, I went down a very deep rabbit hole trying to figure out the dates of all of his legal woes and issues. Uh-huh. Very deep rabbit hole. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, but to be honest, Robert Downey Jr. did have like a bad past, you yeah, know, and uh, now he's Captain America, you know. Iron Man. Oh, did I say Come Captain on America? now, get your, get your Avengers right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, yeah, you're like Justin in in uh, season two when he was like, "Oh, we can create a guy who got bit by a spider." Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay, that was me. I was doing my inner Justin. Get y'all. your comic book knowledge up. Come okay, on. Okay, yeah. Okay, Michael. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm Justin. Oh no! Don't you ever <laughs> do that to me. Uh, well, Vic is help- helping Emmett put together all this stuff, and they need a bartender. And Ted volunteers for the job. He says there's nothing wrong with an honest night's pay for an honest night's work. <laughs> Yo, okay, and, uh, switching the words up. Yeah. Well, apparently he attended bar at the AA meetings when he was in college. That's the Accountants Association. I was and, like, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> so he's got some experience and he's eager to do it. And so they take him up on it. Now, Ted came straight from the bed and there was a pot of coffee on the counter i saw it there and uh, he goes over to their little bar area and Emmett's like hey what are you making and he's having he's getting straight from the bed right into a bloody mary Mm-mm. and uh i just that now, raises some flags for me that's when Emmett should have said honey let me make you something right quick i got breakfast ready for you or yeah. something you know like some quick little because Emmett quick on his feet that's the moment right there you've been watching for, for weeks now mm-hmm. you've been watching the club you've been watching everywhere you haven't spoken up now it's time to act. Yeah, but he just slides this right under that little rug with everything else. And uh, yeah, but I think Ted needs to get out of the house and do something. And so maybe this can help. This is an opportunity for him to be useful to someone and something. And so, and feeling useful is a pretty big, pretty great confidence booster. So mm-hmm. maybe this will be good for him. Well, down at the police station, Debbie is loud and proud and all up in the camera. She's being very vocal about what is happening and she's making sure that people are paying attention i mean she's comparing stockwell to hitler she says he's dangerous and has to be stopped she mentioned several examples of racism and prejudice throughout history saying it's the same sort of thing like the same sort of targeting and hatred well carl is walking up with one of his another guy on the force i'm sure and um the guy makes some comments like, oh, the fairies got all upset. Well, Carl corrects him. It's like, hey, there's no need for the name calling. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we see some growth with Carl because I'm pretty sure before he was conditioned to talk that same way. But exactly. Carl well, has been growing. We know that's how well, Carl this, spoke. That's, exactly. Okay. We do know that's how Carl spoke. Uh, so he does correct. So in his own way, he is still trying to be an advocate in his own way. Maybe it's not as loud and proud, but he can't be loud. Right. Loud but and I proud. think that that still counts and, and that no, still matters. I was so happy that he actually stood up and said that because he could easily be blackballed in, within his own department. He could easily be teased in his own department. I mean, he's really setting himself up at risk. You right. Know, even yeah. just shutting that down. Yo, don't tease him. Right. And he didn't even like he could have just said nothing, but no, he chose to say yeah. something. So. You know, he did speak up. Well, his buddy says, uh, hey, isn't that your girlfriend? You should get her a muzzle. Well, then Debbie notices Carl and she charges him and she's mad at him for not doing anything. She's like, you could have told me you knew this was going on. Like, you should have done something to stop this. And so. But that's his job. Okay. Like, how, what is he supposed to do, Debbie? Like, I mean, for one, you assume that he knew. You didn't even get a man a chance to even respond. You didn't get a man to say anything. You walked up to him like a raging bull, okay? And you you were only seeing red. 
I don't know. I didn't I didn't like Debbie's action in this. You know how sometimes, you know, we love Debbie to death. But when Debbie's wrong, she's wrong, you know? Yeah, Debbie can kind of just fly head first into things sometimes. Right. And, you know, we'll get to dig a little deeper into this one in another scene. But, uh, yeah, this was, um, I don't know if this was her finest hour. I know why she's passionate and oh, angry yeah. and she has every right to be. But Absolutely. as far as how she dealt with Carl here in a very public space with cameras on them, um, yeah. I mean, you're mad at Stockwell. You should You should have went right on over there, you know, up there. Carl doesn't call the shots when it comes right. to Stockwell. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's the chief. What is what is Carl supposed to do? Yeah. Uh, well, there's some more tension because over at the girls' house, Lindsay is not very happy with Melanie. Uh, so this court date is months away, but already on day one, Melanie is having to adjust the schedule and get Lindsay to do the thing that she said she was going to do. Uh, and I think Lindsay feels very disrespected because to her, it's like Lindsay doesn't take her job very seriously like mm-hmm. like that's just child's play like all you're doing is showing out showing pretty pictures to people like i'm out here changing the world mm-hmm. that's that's how melanie is coming across and yes melanie's case can have a very big impact in the world but i think she needs to find a way to go after that or talk about it that doesn't belittle what Lindsay is doing um and that's a reoccurring issue in their marriage i feel like them valuing and respecting each other's contributions in the home and in the world and it's like there are times when they both need some sort of validation, but the other person doesn't always provide it how or when it's needed. Mm-hmm. But Melanie says it's her job that pays the bills. It's her job that pays Ooh. for the daycare. It's like, oh, Mm-mm. girl, them fighting words. <laughs> Big fighting words, okay? <laughs> yeah, basically like, well, mine is the one that matters. You're just out wasting time yeah. or whatever. And she better watch herself because this is headed somewhere ugly. And Lindsay here with a clack back. Lindsay, Cl- Lindsay clack back was like, well, this is the laundry and those are the dishes and this is our son. Okay. Right. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> girl, I don't care. Give a damn about what, what money because you know what? I can bring in the bacon too. Okay? Yeah. And run a household. And it's not about the money. It's about the agreement that they made. Yeah, That's what Lindsay's upset about. Yeah. It's yeah. like you're already going back on the the decisions that we made together as a couple. But Melanie kind of course corrects. She follows after Lindsay and she tells her, I'm not you. I'm going to be the kind of mother. You- I'm not going to be the kind of mother you are. I'm not going to give up everything to be with my kid 24-7. Who says that? I know. Lin- and- who oh. says you are the one who wanted to have the damn child? Who says that? Yeah, well, even Lindsay says, well, nobody asked you to do that. And it's just, but the first time it interferes with your work, it- it's an issue. Uh, Melanie suggested they get a part-time nanny. Well, Lindsay was raised by nannies, and she doesn't want to do that to her child. And I can definitely imagine the Petersons leaving all of the child-rearing to the nannies. Yep. <laughs> um, they don't even know her now, so I highly doubt they knew her when she was a kid. <laughs> that part. Lindsay says, for someone who's so intent on defending lesbian motherhood, you're not much of an example. Ouch. I was like, okay, now you're going for the joke. Like, yeah, I mean, they fight so dirty. They fight dirty, girl. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but, you know, me, I clutch my purse. I know it. Me and my child, <laughs> childless self are going <laughs> to sit this one out right. after I say that was a low blow. Yeah. But I can see where it came from. I'm not saying I agree, but I do, I get what Lindsay is, is saying. But yeah, they know exactly where to hit each other. <laughs> Melanie's like, well, what is that supposed to mean? She said, there are plenty of straight mothers who work full time. And Lindsay says, well, we have to be a little bit better. And I think what she means is we have to work a little bit harder. Because, yes, I mean, clearly, look, they just awarded the father who's an alcoholic right. and abusive, the children. Mm-hmm. So clearly, we always got to have all the um, all the I's dotted and the T's crossed. Like, 
we have to be the extra mile. You know, yeah. we can't be 99%. We got to be 101. Yeah. You know, like, it's crazy. I definitely get why Lindsay is, just this whole situation, like, you're not valuing me and my contributions here in the home. You're not respecting my job. You're not respecting the agreements that we made. Right. I get all of what Lindsay is is saying. I know that this is important to Melanie and this is important to that family. This can be important for a lot of other lesbian mothers right. in that state. I get that side of it, too. But it's just like, y'all got to communicate better. <laughs> and also, I mean, girl, you don't even know if you're going to make the case win. I mean, just because you're spearheading it doesn't mean it's going to win. You can pass it off to your colleagues. Yeah. You can delegate that. Or I mean, there are ways, you don't have to be the face of it. Because right, you it can is. do all the behind the scene work mm-hmm. and make sure that you provide them with all the evidence that you need to win this case. So you can be home with your family. That's the beauty of being a lawyer and with a team around you. You have your two assistants and then you have your main partner who wants to, wants, who's ready to jump in on this case. Just give them information. Yeah. And so I think that's revealing some of the truth of it. Like Melanie wants to be the face of this. I get it. I understand why. But you'd rather do that than keep the commitments and pick up our son. Maybe that doesn't sound like something important to you, but it shows, it hints at what your priorities are. Exactly. I can see why Lindsay would question your priorities. Exactly. So over at Emmett's party, uh, Ted is doing great attending bar. And Emmett notices, I think this is really good for Ted and really good for Emmett to see Ted on his feet and doing well and looking happy and enjoying what he's doing. So things are going good until a guy comes over to the bar and I saw his face and I was like, where do we know him from? I was like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> well, turns out it is, uh, you know, he's one of the A-gays. He is the head A-gay. This is Garth. I hated Garth. I know. The one that Ted was trying to impress back in season two. And he is an A-class jerk to Ted before Ugh. he even recognizes him. And when he does recognize him, he's like, oh, it's you. You're the one with that website. I saw you in the paper and in the news. What a shame. You know, and Ted was owning this little bartending gig, but now he's fumbling and he's Shaking, stuttering. Yeah. And he, yeah, just because this guy showed up with his judgy condescension. He's like, well, what are you doing now? You know, after all that stuff failed, he's like, oh, you know, so Ted tries to play it off. My boyfriend's having this party and I'm just, I'm just helping him out. And uh, so he slides him his his martinis like i asked for extra dirty of all people i think that you'd be able to handle that like, rude go away go Just away, go away. <laughs> okay go hide in that little cave of yours bro. well another party guest asked garth who he was talking to and he says nobody and rude i again. yeah i hate you garth <laughs> god and you're ugly okay yeah you're dead to me now yes you are and, i mean ugly on the inside like you're just an ugly person yeah why would ted even want to be associated with that damn group well i think he ultimately realized that later but it is i'm sure it's very humiliating to to be with the somebody. elite yeah to because be with he, the was, elite. he was in that circle right but then to choose to say i don't want to associate yeah. with you thanks but no thanks and now and now you're like you're serving the bartender. him yeah yeah like mm-hmm. bruh so i mean I, I can see it but he should uh, not be there should not be any shame in that but i totally get yeah i wish he would have owned that moment though and yeah. he would have came out with the last laugh but this is ted so no he he's not a, and definitely with all this going on there's no way our Teddy could have Justin would have owned that hell out oh, that yeah, moment. Oh, yeah, he would have. He would have owned that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we got to get him to give Ted some some lessons. <laughs> um, So we see Brian walking into Jim's office to drop off the finished copy of the new ad that they were filming at Jim's house. 
And he tells Jim that he came off great. His interaction with the kids was terrific. Well, a very stone-faced Jim says he will look at it later. Brian asks if there's something up. And Jim said that he had a powwow with his advisors. And while Brian has done a great job so far, at this critical juncture, he feels they need to move in a different direction. Brian doesn't take too kindly to that because he's the one who turned this campaign around. And Jim is aware of that. Brian asks why he's being fired. And like, just, just cut the bullshit, yeah. bro. Cut the bullshit and speak to me real because I was real with you this whole time. Your ass was losing. I brought you back into the race. Yeah. And Brian's like, you've always respected my honesty. You right. said that's what you like about me, that I am direct. So be direct with me. And Jim says, well, we no longer bat for the same team. And so Brian's like, okay, well, fine. I'll go direct. Yes, <laughs> I will go real direct. So what? You mean because I'm not chasing pussy? Yeah. I mean, so- basically. So uh, he says, um, I know one of your guys saw me at Woody's and he reported back to you. And Jim says, you should have told me. No, why Why should it matter? It's not your business. I'm not fucking you. Yeah, that's what Brian says. If I'm not with you, it's none of your business. And Jim says, well, that's where you're wrong. Anything that can cost me the campaign is my business. And so I think Brian is obviously hurt and ups- is upset by that. But I think he also knows. Okay, but in this political game, that does that is actually right. That's accurate. correct. Yeah. That is actually correct. Yeah, <laughs> but this has to hurt for a few reasons. One, because Brian has worked very hard on this campaign. He's and, taking a beating and, from his friends exactly, and family. Yeah, they you know they owe all their recent success in the polls to Brian, but also yeah, he's taking a beating from his family. He's gone against mm-hmm. his family and his community for this, and he was only able to stomach it because he thought the ends would justify the means for him professionally. Right. Uh, now, because he's gay, all of that has been for not. So, yeah, that's got to that's gotta hurt. Uh, well, then we see Debbie, and she's walking with Vic, and she's gone off the wagon on her diet. She's very <laughs> upset at, at Horvath because he didn't, he didn't tell her what was going on, and he didn't stop Stockwell. And I think she's really kind of putting more on him than maybe she should. Because that's again, what I was saying. It's his job. Like yeah. you said, he's not the head honcho there. And so he has to do what he's told. And depending on what department he's in, he might not have even known yeah. what was happening until it happened. I believe it when he said he didn't know. Like, yeah. I, Debbie should know by now, this man is in that diner in the gay area every single day visiting you. Okay? Mm-hmm. You know this man. He came and gave her a heads up when Brian was arrested. Yeah. So. All that. You don't think that this man would have let y'all know this was going to go down, especially when he knows you're hosting the spot? Mm-hmm. Like, come on, babe. Yeah. Vic compares him to a thirsty lesbian. I spilled my tea, Girl, literally. I, I died, <laughs> literally. Did I not ho- um, holler out loud? You did. Girl. Yeah. Well, Debbie says, since when did you start defending cops? And then he says, since you fell for one. And I think sometimes it's what it takes. You have to make it personal or get a little skin in the game. And, yep. when you know, it's different when you know a person who is whatever or involved with whatever or whoever it changes how you think and feel about other people that are like that. Right. So I like what, what Vic says there. Yeah, well, so Woody's is back. I love their sign there. F you, we're open. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Michael says, well, that didn't take long. And Brian says, it's all a game. He closes them down. They pay a fine. He gets a hit in the press. And so he's like, so that's why Brian has never taken any of this seriously, really. Because it's like, this is just a little game that they're playing. And he says, Debbie's the one who's taking it too seriously. Well, Michael says well, that Brian is the perfect political animal. He will say anything, do anything, and he doesn't care. Always eye on the target, hand very steady. Well, Brian tells Michael that he got canned. 
And then, oh, Michael loves that. He's Girl. like, oh, you're trapped in a web of your own deceit. Like, he finds it all a bit funny. It was almost like he was a kid in a candy store. Like, yeah. he was really excited. Yeah. How are you going to be excited for your best friends being, your best friend being fired and humiliated? That, that's what, like, I mean, you were, the things that you said about Justin after Brian got dumped, and then now here he got fired from a job. And clearly, he's kind of bothered by it, even if you feel like he shouldn't have had the job anyway. Like, yeah, how, you you just get to pick and choose what you care about for him and what you take seriously. And mm, I just I didn't like that. Well, uh, Brian tells him to save the bad dialogue for his for his comic book, so he's trading a jab for a jab there. That part. <laughs> but Michael literally runs over to Debbie. Girl, he, he cannot hopped. wait. Yeah, he cannot wait to tell her. <laughs> he hopped over there. He's gonna cheer her up with with Brian's pain. Oh, I couldn't <laughs> and, uh, stand it. She's trying to concentrate on her shots, so she's not really taking it in. She tells Michael it doesn't matter if Brian got fired. They're still at risk because Stockwell is a bully. And I think without meaning to, she takes some of the responsibility off of Brian because this is exactly right. Stockwell is going to do what he's going to do and what he always would have done with or without Brian. Now, the election, that's whatever. But as far as him enforcing these ridiculous laws, he can do that as a police chief. He didn't have to be mayor to do that. Nope. Uh, well, then we see Debbie on the screen at Woody's, and she's feeling a bit defeated, but she's got some some friends and some fans there in the bar cheering her on. So she's uh, got a little bit of wind back in her sails. The reporter on the news says that Stockwell has taken a significant hit in the polls following the protest, and he hasn't responded to the claims of homophobia. Well, now Debbie's feeling herself and those shots, and Girl. she turns to Brian and says, hey, how's your guy going to get himself out of out of this one? Or how's he going to cover himself now? Um, well, Brian hits the bullseye in his game of darts because Brian's always got a plan in mind. Yeah. I mean, he can recover quickly. Always. You know, and that's one thing about Brian. I love how he can readjust. He can readjust to anything. I mean, his mind is so quick, so sharp, and he moves in silence. You never know what he's thinking. That's what I, that's why I love Brian. So Stockwell is watching the same news report and he is reeling in his office. Well, Brian comes in at just the right time and he asks Jim how he's doing and they have this little moment where they kind of just size each other up. Well, Jim, t- Jim tells him about his son's basketball team. You know, no matter what else is happening and what all their motives were, they did connect on a personal mm. level. And I love that they didn't even go, like, it kind of started off with, like, professional, but then they made it so personal. You know, kind of, right. how are you holding up? Like, he knows that Jim is going through it. Like, you just got your ass slaughtered on the news. Right. Okay, like, you got slaughtered. Brian did not have to show up. You just sent me away because I was gay. Yeah, and okay? I think at this point, Brian doesn't trust you. Well, I think he never trusted you. Right. And so it's like, we can can all that friend stuff, but we I can't I won't deny that we did have that yeah, kind yeah. of so he did appeal to him in that way. Right. Probably a little bit of manipulation. No, it was ma- manipulation yeah. for real. <laughs> yeah. Look, this is Brian's way back in to get into right. the fat cats. Yeah. Okay? He gotta have those fat cats. We yeah. gotta get to New York. We get to New York, baby. Uh, yeah. Um but uh, so he tells him about his son's team and they are tied in this whatever Sears or tournament or whatever. And Jim tells him that his son needs a win today and brian says well so do you Mm. uh yeah so then we see debbie come into the station to apologize to carl i do like that move for her now she doesn't need to apologize for her beliefs or her political opinions Mm -mm. i don't think she apologized for For you know she kind of attacked him she she just blindsided him there on the sidewalk and embarrassed him um yeah embarrassed him and blindsided him like come on now he didn't deserve that well, Carl says that her big mouth has gotten him into trouble because she was bad-mouthing his boss on TV, and she's even doing it right there in the, the office. office. And uh, you know, she says she can't sit by while her friends, the community, are attacked, and 
She says, as long as there's freedom of speech, she's going to use hers to shoot her mouth off as loud as she wants. And I get everything that Debbie is saying. And no, Debbie shouldn't have to change who she is because she's dating a cop. And she can say, no, I'm going to defend my community and I'm going to stand up for what's right. And I'm going to be loud and proud about it. She can do all of that. But at the same time, you have to understand who you're dating. She has no compassion for him. I thought like, she, I mean, just no consideration. Consideration. For That's yeah, what I mean. She no has no consideration, consideration for, him. for him. Yeah, because and not to say she needs to change any of those things necessarily, but you just got to consider that other person mm-hmm. and how, or that's that's how I feel. Now it's one thing if he tries to tell her, "Well, you have to change it. You can't be like that." That's a different thing, right? But I feel like she should maybe consider Carl in this. Exactly. Or I think her coming to the station to apologize was right. Right. She, like you said before, she didn't have to apologize for her beliefs. Not for or her beliefs or opinions. Yeah. No, but that, just for you. Yeah. But I want to apologize for, you know, not giving you the benefit of the doubt, for blindsiding you, for attacking you on the street. This is something passionate. She could have explained this is something passionate. You know how passionate this is for me and my family and, the, and how I am involved with the community. You know, like, so it was a hot moment. It has nothing against you. But she didn't do that. She still turned all the way back up. Because she didn't even give him a chance to work his inside angle. Right. You know, she didn't give him a chance for that. She just came off on 20 again without even letting him. He didn't even get a word out. Right. He couldn't even get a word out. Yeah. Now, I do think that Carl, because Carl's like, you know, what do you want me to do? It's work. Da, da, da. But but I think, so Carl might not realize how serious this could this can be. Like We've definitely seen that in the real world where people are like, oh, no, it's fine. Nothing will ever happen. Oh, it won't mean anything. But then it blooms and blossoms into this big old thing. And so maybe Carl isn't seeing how far this could go. But what what you said and what I thought is she could have tried to educate Carl. Yeah. Because Carl has shown that he's capable of learning and he's capable of growth. And so I feel like what Debbie could have done was try to educate him and not just yell at him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? she, she was yelling. And man. so that's, that's, what, that's really what I felt like was, was missing. Like, hey, Carl, let me tell you, let me explain to you what is actually happening and what that can become, what that can lead to. Let me show you some examples of similar situations. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like that would have been the better thing to do because if you just, you don't win very many people over by yelling at them. Nope. So that's, that's what I felt like was missing ultimately that, that just educating him. So Emmett and Vic have prepared a feast and they've invited over some guinea pigs for this menu they're preparing. So maybe they've already said it, but I think, so Emmett and Vic are kind of going to do this catering event planning thing together. And I love that. I love that for them. Um, for Emmett and for Vic, because Vic's got his man now. Well, yes. or he had his man. He had Rodney. And now he's got this potential career job mm-hmm. thing going with Emmett. And they're going to be perfect business partners. I just know it. Mm-hmm. So they've invited Melanie, Lindsay, Ben, and um, Michael over to try out some of their, some of their uh, choices. Well, Ted went out to get some wine. And it's been a while. They're waiting on him before they can, before they start. And Emmett's making excuses for his tardiness, and he's like, oh, you know, he'll be here, and then eventually he's like, okay, let's just go ahead and get started. Well, <laughs> Ted comes in, and he has basically consumed the whole wine section, and everyone notices, of course, but I don't think that they're super worried, because they don't see this very often, and so it's just like, whoa, Ted's a little drunk tonight. Mm-hmm. And so they're not super worried, but they know something's off. Um, they all know Ted a, has a lot going on, and so... I think that they're thinking it's just kind of like a random one-off thing. Like, oh, whoops, accident there. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Emmett, on the other hand, has been watching him this whole episode and for the past several weeks. 
Um, so you can see the embarrassment on his face, but yeah, he's trying to mask it. And the worry and the embarrassment, like, mm-hmm. great job, Peter Page. Like, he's yes. yeah, conveying all of that stuff. But even the rest of them, even though they're not sure what's happening, it's clear they're all a little uncomfortable. And this scene is just kind of painful for me. And I want them all to leave. Yes. Like, just get excuse up and yourself. go. Yeah. yeah, excuse yourself. Get up and go. Like, hey, we're going to run down to the corner store. We're going to get whatever. I don't know. Just something. It's almost like they was waiting for the juice, waiting for something to happen. You, you know? know, at least Uncle Vic has his back to them. The rest of yeah. them are just, like, staring them down. Right in the face. I mean, Melanie comes over there and sits there. And true, Lindsay was already sitting over there at the bar stool, but Melanie comes and sits even closer. And I just wanted them to leave. It made me very... It was very painful and uncomfortable mm-hmm. for me. Emmett is trying to get Ted to eat something. He's trying to, like, talk him down and calm him down. And he's trying to feed him something just to kind of help sober him up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And Ted shoves him away, yelling, I said no. Well, he pushes Emmett into the counter. Extremely Violently. Yeah. yeah. Now, luckily, Ted's not too far gone to see that he made a big mistake. So maybe this is a wake-up call for him. Um, but, yeah, this scene was... Yeah, it was Ooh. tough um, because Emmett has tried everything in his power to be accommodating, understanding. and To the be best. upbeat and upbeat. cheerful, yep. to not, you know, hound him or embarrass your, him. Or, your yeah. only task was to go home, go out and get a bottle of wine. You were gone for five plus hours. You come back extremely intoxicated. And then you embarrass me. And not only did he push him, he knocked over some of the plates, too, that he had, right. you know, mm-hmm. that he prepared for his party. I mean, and even in that moment, Emmett still stayed poised. You know, right. I was like, okay. It's like, it's okay. I know you didn't mean it. You mm-hmm. just need a nap. Like, let's go lay down. And then tried to explain it away to the friends and family there. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, huh, okay. I gotta, we're going to keep moving. Um, <laughs> so then we see Jim and he is uh, giving, uh, he's reading his prepared statement there. He's denouncing any homophobiasis. These charges were made to damage my reputation and my campaigns. Like, I have a gay friend. <laughs> I hate that. I hate that, too. He's got that token gay friend. That friend is also helping with his campaign. He's one of his, one of his trusted advisors. And that friend is none other than Brian Kenny. Brian looked shocked. You know, well, although... No, no, no. Uh, Bri- this was Brian's plan. I did. I know. Yeah. Although, I mean, I feel like... Ugh, Brian's face, I don't... Uh, uh, I don't know. Like... Brian's face gave me like, oh my god! Like, I, I okay, maybe shock is not the right word. His face gave me like, okay, here we go again. Like, am I really making the right choice? Yeah. Well, he's you know? put now he's putting himself out there. Before it was like, okay, if people find out if they see him with Stockwell, whatever. But now he is like, he said you're a publicly tying his. himself. Yeah, and the leader of his campaign. Right. He is tying himself to Stockwell, and so yeah, he's like waist deep neck deep in it now so yeah on, <laughs> on his face that's what i was reading i was reading like oh lord here we go like i know that's what he he set up he yeah. planned that's how he got back into graces i mean and you can see stockwell like his face looked happy for once again you know but because he knows that he needs brian on his team but oh man yeah we uh, mm. we'll see where this goes I know. I can't wait. I'm re- y'all, I know if y'all just like me, I can't wait. Okay? But y'all have the upper hand. Y'all can <laughs> go ahead and watch the stuff. And I can't. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, then we finally get to the loft. Brian and Justin are back at the loft together. And I like the song that plays here on the DVD. It's different if you're streaming. But on the DVD, it is uh, Weapon by Matthew Good. 
And, you know, that orange is the new blue line is going into effect here mm-hmm. because the blue lights are gone and they're bathed in this orange glow now. Yes. Justin is delivering that heart thawing service. Okay. <laughs> Justin's new nickname is Jawbone because he is working that thing. Okay. <laughs> the boy, I mean, he, we should call him Throat. Okay. Like, God. Uh, well, Brian's hands are tangled in his golden hair and, you know, Maybe I'm wrong, but Brian seems to be pretty vocal in this scene. Like, we usually don't hear Brian during... Uh... Girl, he missed that. <laughs> okay? He just got suckled on. Okay? He missed that. Justin was giving him the, the platinum package. He was giving him, him the platinum he package. He was letting him know, baby, this is what you've been missing. Okay? Yeah. I know you had your little tricks and you had your little lookalikes. Okay? But this is the real deal here, baby. And this is why, you know, you come back. This is why you kiss me. This is why we have rules over here, okay? Justin put it on him. Well, afterward, Justin has a smug grin on his face, and you can tell Brian clearly has missed all of this. Not just the performance, but just all of it, and Justin knows it. What is Justin's face telling you? Well, it's like, yeah, you know, you... (laughs) I did that. Yeah, I did that, yeah. Yeah. I did that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, we also see that Michael sided with Justin about the cover for Rage. Brian shows it to us with his thumb strategically placed on the cover. Yes. Uh, but, you know, Brian just happens to have that conveniently tucked away by his bed there. Their <laughs> 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 comic book. And probably not just for what's on the cover of it, but this is something that's created by two people who are very special and important mm-hmm. to him. So, And he's involved in it as right. well. Right, yeah. So I think even though he takes some jabs about the comic book, I think he really like seeing their work and he um enjoys it uh well justin says that michael decided to go with it even though they could get arrested and brian says well, what kind of artist would be would you be if you what kind of artist are you if you don't and so i think he's proud of justin for standing up for what he believes in when it comes to his art so absolutely yeah i think something else in this scene that i picked up on is just that moment where they're laying side by side that's is that brian is just fully content mm-hmm. <laughs> right now you know for the moment, he's got his career under control. He's got Justin back. Like, he's got, you know, plans and a future in mind with where where he's going with his career. And I think he's just fully content right right here. He can see clearly now that the rain is gone. Because <laughs> the sunshine's back. Yeah. <laughs> Facts. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So just when they're about to get all snuggly, uh, there's a knock at the door. And it's Brian's 11 o'clock. And... There's a moment when Brian leans over and, and he kisses Justin and then Justin kind of like they do this little like nose rub thing. And this is just me. But I feel like in this scene, Brian is kind of che- he's like, yeah, that's my 11 o'clock. And I feel like he's kind of just checking in with Justin like, hey, is it cool? Is it cool? You good with that? Like checking to see how he feels about that. And then Justin is like, yeah, go ahead. Like, mm-hmm. we're good. Uh, that's just what I picked up in that. Could not be there. But that's what I I want to be there, I guess. <laughs> So, yeah, they share this little nuzzle and a quick kiss before Brian hops out of bed. So the 11 o'clock trick is here. And Brian points into the bedroom. And uh, Justin is headed out. And the trick asks, well, who's he? And I wanted to say, none yet. That part. Okay. (laughs) Don't worry about it. And uh, Brian says, well, that's a difficult question to answer, given the limitations of the language and the conventionality of most (laughs) people's thinking. And Justin is really enjoying him trying to explain this. But I also like the way that Brian is looking at Justin. Like, how do I describe what this right. man is to me? <laughs> you know, like, he's really trying to like think through, trying to find words to describe right what, what Justin what, what y'all is. Are. And yeah. 
He's like, yeah, there kind of are no words for for what um, special for what they are. And uh, what Brian ultimately comes up with is, let's just say he used the guy I um sleep with more than once. And the key part here is that he is the guy, as in the only mm-hmm. one. And Justin says, unlike you. Then they share another kiss, which is the last one Brian will get that night. And Justin leaves. And so some things have changed. Like, Brian has just validated Justin's place verbally in Publicly. front of Justin mm-hmm. and in front of this trick. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, however... Because sometimes I like to be messy. If I'm the trick, I would just say, well, I'm about to rub my naked behind all over the place where you sleep at, Justin. So <laughs> so who's really winning here? <laughs> True. You can keep him. Okay? Yeah, you can clean them sheets, too, that when part. I'm done. Okay. <laughs> so, but anyway, y'all know I love Brian and Justin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, but can I be honest about something? Go ahead. When I first saw this uh episode because you know this is only my second watch of the full series so when i first saw this episode this scene i hated it i was kind of mad at brian like dude do you really need that much sex like like you literally just finished i know and and then uh, you didn't even wipe up that's how stds get spread <laughs> okay you didn't even wipe up so you about to take that and then go right into that oh well yeah. again but you know what well, brian he does use safe sex so we will say that. But, but, yeah. Now, maybe it just so happened that Justin stopped by and Brian clearly already had this plan because he knew the guy was coming at 11. It's early. He did not um, just stop by. He spent the night. Well, now that's possible. But, anyway, I just, to me, w- when I first saw it, it came across as very selfish and very greedy to me. And so, I, yeah, hated it. But on second watch, but, it's like Brian is selling back into Brian and, well, and Brian and Justin is selling back. But now, I think Brian's speech addresses it perfectly. Yep. Um, it's hard for people to understand it because of the conventionality of their thinking at times. You know, this guy is going to come and come and then go. And that <laughs> will be that. It'll be over and done. And when he, well, not even he, his body will matter for a small moment yeah. in time. We'll and say then, 30 minutes to an and hour. And then he'll be a non-factor from that's there. It. Yeah, so I think that's something that has changed. But also, Justin is very sure of his significance in Brian's life. So he's not, you know, he's not worried about that either. And then I think now that I've settled in with the show more, I just know and repeat to myself, monogamy and commitment are not synonymous. You don't have to be monogamous to be committed. That doesn't work for everybody. Mm -mm. But for some relationships, they truly are committed to each other, but they're not monogamous because they see those as very different things. And there are different ways to be monogamous. You could be emotionally monogamous with someone, but not sexually monogamous. Mm -hmm. And so... I get it now. Even like I'll admit that first watch I really hated it, but now I totally I totally get it. And it would be unrealistic to think that just like overnight all this stuff has changed and Brian's not gonna have tricks over and mm-hmm. that'd be unrealistic. But yeah. So that is uh how this scene this uh, episode ends. What did you what did you think about Woof. the last scene? Um the last scene I didn't I mean, I didn't mind it because I just felt like they were settling back into who they are. And the fact that he he checked with Justin to see if it was okay this time, opposed to like, it's happening with, you know, whether you like it or not. I mean, it made me feel at ease, you know? And I feel like Brian, we saw some growth in Brian. So, yeah, it it, it, didn't, it didn't hit me. Normally, I would say, uh, already, like, I mean, you just got him back and you're already doing this. But that's what they do. That's, that's, right. that's who they are. And because I really think it makes a difference when you watch this show slowly and you break it down episode by episode like we've been doing because that lets you put together okay here's what's going on in this character here's what's going on in this couple or this right. relationship or this dynamic 
And so that you can take all that knowledge into each scene with mm-hmm. you. Because when I was just binging it, you know, I'm only looking for the highlights of yeah. things. You know, uh-huh. and I'm not really settling into what's happening. And I'm like, dude, you just got him back and now you're already doing this again. Mm-hmm. But now I understand them better. So yeah. And then you pick up on the little small things that exactly. Brian does. You know, so mm-hmm. no, it, it didn't bother me. It was like, I check with my man, you good, you good, cool. I'm gonna have fun. Hell, I might not even do nothing. You know what I'm saying? You right. never know. You know, whatever the case, but it is what it is. But no, yeah, it, it didn't it didn't it didn't bother me at all. Well, that's the episode. That's three oh nine. So yeah. I'm happy about some things, I'm nervous about some things, I'm sad about some things. I know. Uh I'm I'm interested to see the storyline between Emmett and Ted. You know, yeah. like What's going to happen next after he was embarrassed in front of everyone? And clearly Emmett has to address the drinking now, you know? So I'm interested to see what's going to happen with that. I'm interested to see what's going to happen with Debbie and um, and Carl. The way that kind of like ended was like, it was like no closure for me. So I, mm-hmm. I want to see that. Um, all in all, this was a good episode. It brought all the drama. You know, I'm here for the ratchet. Oh, yeah. We so, love the drama. <laughs> uh, it definitely <laughs> brought the drama. And, um, and it wasn't like sex involved. You know, it wasn't like heavy with the sex. So. Yeah, even where that was in there, it had yeah. purpose, it had meaning, mm-hmm. which is what Justin said. So, yeah. yeah. I, I love this episode. It was really good. I think back-to-back, bomb-ass episodes. Yeah. Season know? three is just incredible. No. Season three is pretty much perfect. No, season three, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm effing with it for real, though. Like, I, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm for real. Heavy. Heavy. Yeah. I love it. But, yeah, guys, that is the episode. And um, we would love to hear your thoughts and comments on season, I mean, on season, on episode nine, you know. Uh, what do you think is going to happen with the Emmett and Ted situation? Oh, y'all have already seen it. But if you haven't, what you, uh, what do you think is going to happen with them? Pretend you haven't seen yeah, it. Yeah, pretend you haven't. Pretend you haven't. And give us some of your feedback and, um, you know, comment back on our commentary. Because like we say always, we love it when it's interactive. Um, all right, guys. And until next time, we are out of here. Bye. Bye. <laughs>